commence primary ignition. This is the way. What is up, all of you Ugnots and Jawas out there, and welcome back to a new episode of Mando Talk, your home for companion podcast episodes, breakdowns, spoiler discussions for The Mandalorian Season 3, and on this episode, we have Chapter 22 titled Guns for Hire, and we've got returning creatives, Bryce Dallas Howard, John Favreau, and we've got a returning co-host to the show dj foster is back dj what's up by the way i'm caleb keller hi caleb um hey man <laughs> i hope this is a good show because oh, it's gonna be great before i jumped on tonight i was sitting on my couch watching the classic 2010s movie easy a with my wife so okay. if if this sucks just know I gave up Easy A to be on this show tonight. No, I'm just kidding. Easy A is a good movie, though. I like that movie. Anyway, interesting, interesting <laughs> intro there, man. Interesting. I didn't know where that was going, but I like it. This is definitely going to be better than Easy A. It probably, and it already is, honestly. All right, like, there we go. I mean, I let's it. let's just be real here. Like, Mandalorian, Emma Stone. Sure. Probably going to go with Mandalorian. I'm just going to be real honest. Like, I'm not to. wearing an Emma Stone shirt. I'm wearing a Mandalorian <laughs> shirt. I mean, that's what it is. There you go. That's there for the pod for the pod people. I'm wearing a uh, <laughs> the pod exclusives, just a Mandalorian shirt. It says this is the way. It's from season this is, one. This is that's the it. way. This is, is the way. All right. Well, let's get into our breakdown, shall we? Uh, admittedly, shall. if you if you're online, if you're on the online community, you have seen this one is split. Um, yeah. Split across the board. There's there's hot debates. There's passionate opinions there's it's it's crazy it's crazy if i'm being completely honest yeah, but we're yeah. here to break down the craziness and we're here to break down the goofiness and the fun and and just weird episode that this was mm -hmm. and i can't wait to do it and if you want more of these as always make sure you hit that subscribe button we got new podcast episodes coming out every friday we've only got two more for this season which is absolutely wild but I can't wait to finish this out with you guys, and I can't wait to discuss this one. So let's get into it. Chapter 22, Guns for Hire, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. That is, by far, I'll just go ahead and say, our favorite our favorite director in the Mandoverse. At least in my opinion, yep. I may be putting words in your mouth, DJ. Not at, all. Not at all. She's phenomenal. She does great with any script that she's given. And then this one was written as well solely by John Favreau. So not much to dive in with those two other than we love Bryce Dallas Howard. She's a phenomenal director, especially when it comes yep. to this Mando verse. I can't wait to continue to see her do more. And we've said it on this show over and over again. She needs a movie, folks. She's just oh, so good. She gets she, Star Wars. She needs a trilogy, in my opinion. Yeah, give her okay, a whole, yeah, give, I'm with over, you. Give her a whole run of Star Wars movies. I'm with you. Like, I'm definitely with you on that. Now, I think she did a phenomenal job directing this yeah. episode. I do personally have issues with the 
writing of this episode. So that yeah. falls on Favreau's shoulders. But I still do think that Bryce Dallas Howard has done her role all three times that she's directed. Is it three or is it four now? No, it may be, it's a, maybe it's, four. It's four if you count Book of Boba Fett. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. four times now, I think she's done. She's four out of four. She's got yeah. a perfect batting average, if you will, yeah. so far. Anyway, DJ, what are your thoughts on the direction and the writing? And then we'll get into the specific plot details. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really have anything that just made mental notes about the directing of anything. Like, mm-hmm. I think that when you open up an episode with everybody in a rubber alien mask, right? You know, yeah. you're asking a lot of your performers and your director. So, you know, she jumped in really well with that. Really loved how I've seen a couple people on Twitter saying that that connects back to season one. That this Mon Cala is the mm-hmm. nobleman's son that Grief Karga yep. was potentially letting Mando go find. So I thought that was nice, you know, a good touch. And that's just in the writing, I guess, more so. But the directing of this, I, I, I'm starting to feel a little like um, Pedro Pascal's vocal performance is lackluster. Ooh, okay. like, and, and, and I don't, I've been very harsh and critical of him as the Mandalorian openly on the show yet. I've not been canceled for it for some, somehow, but <laughs> oh, um, I've canceled you. <laughs> oh yeah, you have. Yeah. I'm not even actually here, <laughs> but, um, I feel like, like, especially when they're in that weird train tube, uh, to mm-hmm. go into the city, uh, in, in this episode, I just, I, I had a really hard time like saying, okay, that's, that's not just some other voice. And it, it might be because Bo-Katan's not wearing a helmet, but, um, you know, there's just, there's some things I just, I feel like that's like the weakest thing for me. Yeah. Um, mm. that That's, okay. that's really it. I just, I think it's because I know he's not in the suit, you know, and yeah. I, I, I want Pedro to, I don't want to use this harshly, but I'm going to say it fully commit. Like, sure. And I yeah. know that there's been scheduling things like The Last of Us was going on filming while this was filming. So, like, it was a little different this season. I just want to see more of Pedro, I think. And, um, and just like really helmet off. Just if I know he's there, like, I'm at a point oh, now I where I can tell the difference between Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder. Oh, yeah. I feel and, like that difference has kind of been there since day one, honestly. Well, it it has, but it took us for me at least. It took me watching Disney Gallery to like really see the physicality of the two performers. Sure, yeah. And then when Pedro's in the suit, which has been, you know, like maybe ten times max. You know, it's it's kind of one of those. Okay, you know, I, I know what he looks like when he's wearing it. I know what everybody else looks like when they're wearing it. I just kind of want to just see Pedro in it. Okay, sure. And that that maybe well, just. That's a critique of the whole series. I yeah. realize that. Yeah. But back to my original point, I I feel like Pedro needs to just be more present. Hmm. Okay. And and that's my one little thing is like it, I don't even know that's a director's issue. It just it doesn't. Maybe it is because I, I feel like the voice is disconnected from the physical performance in this episode specifically. Hmm. So I mean maybe maybe that's something that. You know, we I abbreviate Bryce Dallas Howard to BDH all the time. So yeah. if that happens on this episode, there you go. But you know, I, I think BDH needs to maybe take a mental note or something. I, I'm not I'm not one to critique a director. You know, <laughs> sure. But, yeah. But yeah, that's what definitely. I would that's what I would do if I was in her position. Yeah, that's interesting. See, I hadn't even considered something like that. I've always just considered, you know, we've got those two other guys that are trained to give a physical performance Mm -hmm. pedro doesn't have that background 
So I don't. I'm okay with Pedro not being in the suit unless the helmet's off, personally. Because if I, we're I gonna get that. if we're gonna get great Dinjar in action, then I want the great body performer in the suit sure. attempting sure. that action. Because yeah. I mean, Pedro Pedro can do it for sure, but I don't think he can do it to that level. And that's why they've got all these different individuals kind of rotating in and out and and doing some some different things. But that's definitely a conversation yeah. that I feel like could definitely go on and on because mm-hmm. that, that's an interesting yeah. one. Uh, for me, for me, I'll say it. We've got different opinions on that. Pedro Pascal mm-hmm. is always going to be Mando and Din Djarin to me. I just love yeah. the guy. Yeah. I love his personality. I, I love what he does as far as interacting with, with the community and just really everything. I've loved his voice performance, but I can definitely see, I will say, Dialogue. I don't know if Din Djarin's been given a ton that is just so impactful and extremely moving this season compared to the other seasons. So I, I could definitely see, definitely see some critiques by that. But I will say that's the first I've heard of it. So interesting thoughts there. Interesting thoughts I just, there. I, I like just, it. I like I'm hearing those digging, thoughts. I'm probably digging just a little deep. Nah, hey, that's what we do here. That's what we true. do here. It's part that's of the breakdown. It's part of the process. <laughs> Absolutely. Well. Yeah. Let's get into the scene-by-scene digesting, if you will, of this episode, Guns for Hire. The first point that occurs in this episode, we begin with a ship piloted by a group of Corrin, led by Captain Shuggeth, I love that name if I even said that correctly, that have found a way to bypass the trade routes of Trask. That's the location that we traveled to in Season 2 where we met Bo-Katan for the first time, when suddenly their sensors pick up an Imperial cruiser. This cruiser used to be Moth Gideon's, but it is now being controlled by Axe Wolves, Koska Reeves, and other Mandalorians formerly led by Bo-Katan Kryze. The Mandalorians were hired by a Mon Calamari Viceroy to find her son. The Mandalorians take the Calamari son, who is in love with this Captain Shuggeth. And my question here, and DJ, you've already kind of alluded to it, so and I, I think we're kind of on to it here. I do yeah. think this is the same royal Calamari that Grief Karga offered as a bounty to Din Djarin in Season 1, and it sounds like you're in agreement with that, correct? I am, and I want to give some quick credit to who I saw it first from um, our old friend, Rural Farm Boy, RFB, as we like to call him. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I just I retweeted that tweet where he mentioned it. Right now, um, thanks to Elon Musk's new way of doing Twitter, I can tell that this um, on the analytics, this this particular tweet has eighty thousand views from RFB. Wow. So so it picked up steam quick. I mean, he yeah. tweeted that just a few hours ago. I so. mean, it's a great point. It's an absolutely yeah. great point, and I do think that it's 1,000% on the money. So definitely beneficial as far as mm-hmm. including in our breakdown. Kind of full yeah. circle moment, I guess. I agree. Uh, really cool. Really cool stuff. Costco Reeves declares Mandalorians are honorable, but all it takes is a few credits. Showing a little... Um, Bounty hunter. Yeah, shown. Yeah, I didn't expect to see some dialogue from that, but I guess it makes sense. Cosca Reeves was pretty aggressive in uh, season two, for sure. And anyway, the Mandalorians declare that they have a contract waiting for them on Plazir 15, and that ends the opening scene where we get these species that that we've come to see and know and love from other Star Wars canon material. Just really cool, at least for me, I really I really dug the opening scene. I loved seeing this group of Mandalorians being back in the fold, and I loved seeing these species being utilized in a cool way. What did you think of these opening moments? It was good. Um, for my first thought was, okay, cool, good to see Axe Woves, because um, 
the 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 Bestman Bulletin thing that was out forever ago, kind of leaking that he was going to be in it, which mm-hmm. it was a leak, it, bona fide leak. Um, so, but it was cool to see him in like the captain's chair here. Uh, yeah. My biggest thing actually was seeing Sasha Banks uh, back as Costa Reeves because yeah, for she's, real. she flat Liar. out, yeah, she flat <laughs> out said, "I'm not, I'm not coming back." And I was like, "Well, that's kind of a a bummer." So whether she didn't at the time believe she was going to come back, sure. Or or she just flat out. Nah, it's, I, I think mean, she was. I think she was yeah. uh, using her WWE background there and, and playing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I think so. So I was like, "You liar!" Like so. It was <laughs> it was cool to see her and 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 Axe Woves, and it's kind of makes me wonder a little bit about the backstory separation them from Bo-Katan. So yeah, I know. Yeah, um, it was cool though. That I, I love seeing her there. Yeah. Well. Very, very Mando vibing opening scene there for sure. Yeah. Well, we do after the title rolls and we, we get that intro, we get to see our main trio together. Bo-Katan, Din Djarin, and Grogu, all three. So I, I was curious if they were going to have two separate missions after last week's episode, but I loved the creative decision to have them continue to be together because I just love yeah. hanging out with these three. All three of them arrive on Plazir 15 looking for the Mandalorians that are, in fact, led by Axe. They plan to land their ship away from the Mandalorian fleet's perimeter since they feel it would be better to walk in on foot when suddenly the gauntlet is forced to land in a slip near the domed city. The trio is greeted by two blacked-out Imperial droids on the landing platform. The trio then hop on a Hyperloop pod in hopes to travel to the bay closest to the Mandalorian fleet, but Din Djarin and Bo-Katan must scan their chain code in order to use the pod, and this then alerts their presence, and they are requested to visit the leadership of the planetary democracy. Then the pod takes off to the bubble, to the dome, to the city. Now, I will say, I have to admit, this is when... I started to get that gut feeling in me when I saw that they're they're going to the Mandalorians. I'm like, okay, here we go. We're getting some great Mandalorian lore, culture, battles, whatever, you name it. We're going to dive into that deeply. And then suddenly the the ship loses control and and they take a left turn. I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a side mission episode, isn't it? Which is okay. That's part of the Mandalorian's DNA. I don't necessarily have a problem with that piece in the slightest. But I was a little bummed that we paused on following the Mandalorian covert there. DJ, what were you thinking when we see Din Djarin and and Bo-Katan and Grogu take a left turn here? On my first watch, I didn't think much about it, to be honest. I, I was just like, okay, there they are. It's a left turn. You know, I just didn't think much about it. I mean, you know, it, I guess for me, when I'm watching a new show or a new episode or a new movie that I'm not seeing, I'm just kind of like in it and I don't think much about it until it's over. Um, and then this this is where like a debate with you and I really got sparked because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we were I wasn't like upset with your perspective on the episode. I don't guess you were upset with my perspective. Absolutely was, not. It was no. just one of those, like, we were legitimately debating over yeah, we were. This, this idea. And I think at one point, I even said this on Twitter, because I've seen it from you, and I've seen it from a lot of people. A mm-hmm. lot of people are just like, what the heck did we just watch? Because, <laughs> yeah. because it, it, it did become a side quest episode. But I started, like, at first, you know, I was like, oh, whatever. Like, we got battle droids, we got Lizzo and Jack Black. Like, it just it sure. didn't 
you know, and the, the Imperial droids that we just talked about, I was like, those, they look cool. You know, I wasn't really thinking much about it. Yeah. Um, initially, then on my second watch, I was like, okay, like as soon as that moment happened where they get locked in that tractor beam and Bo's like, well, it looks like we're going for a ride. I was like, okay, I kind of <laughs> see like why everybody's a little upset. Like I get it. And I feel bad for everybody for like not looking at it like the way I do in a sure. sense where it's like, just turn off the, bl- turn off the blinders yeah, or turn on the blinders probably. And just, and just don't be critical. Like I- I'm never critical on my first time watching anything. So like, mm-hmm. unless it's just like horrible, like, and that's, that there's a very few times I've ever been like, this sucks and I'm turning it off. Yeah. But, um, you know, I-, I just didn't think much about it. I just was ready to see what was going to happen. And, um, I don't know. I, without saying too much else yeah. about the coming scenes, sure. I don't know what else. I just, I just, I was okay with it. At first. I will say, I will say as well. And maybe I didn't make it clear when I was talking about you know them taking the whole left turn and suddenly they're they've lost control on the ship. I wasn't, sure. I wasn't put off at this moment. I think it was later, you know, twenty twenty minutes down the road from here when we get there mm. is when I realized, okay, we are full on side yeah. quest. Really, the majority of sure, this thing. Sure. That's when the critical lens, I guess, started coming on. Because, mm-hmm. and again, and I've already said, these side missions are the DNA of this Mandalorian yeah. show. Think yeah. back to season one, and really half of season two. Literally, yeah. it was side quest after side quest after side quest. But yeah. I just think that the show, The Mandalorian, has grown since then to where at this point in the season, I guess I was just expecting more. But I will say, and we've already, we're already kind of hitting our general thoughts here, which is totally fine. We may have skipped over that anyway. Yeah. On a second watch, I was able to no longer be critical of it and just have a ton of fun. I mean, you alluded to it. There's so much in here that's goofy and yeah. wild and yeah. fun to just enjoy. It really did play and feel like a Clone Wars top-tier episode. I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean... That's every, what every, it essentially was. I mean, just just from like from the dinner party scene on, just nearly to the end, mm-hmm. it, it was like this is like Attack of the Clones. Like it to me, it was like yeah, this is like the Coruscant stuff. So uh-huh. you know, two thousand two me was like this is really fun. Like sure. I, I was I was enjoying what I was seeing because it was like it was plucked out of the prequels you know like you like kind of like what you just said about being plucked out of clone wars it was very much a clone wars kind of episode and 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 just because i i went and looked i was like okay how many like side quest type episodes have there been like like all of them except for this season almost yeah yeah look at season three and i'm just kind of looking at the list on my phone here on disney plus you know it's 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 very linear this season up till mm-hmm. now up till this episode so i think a lot of people who were just like used to this format of it just okay mandalore got it bo-katan got it you know and, and checking off the list as we go down it you know sure. i think people were just used to it mm-hmm. and now it's kind of like oh we're back to the old mandalorian kind of style like mm. you like you said a second ago that's how everything's been up to this point it's yeah been like and i even looked as like what well the last two uh seasons what was episode six like you know and yeah that in that first season it was the uh, jailbreak episode yep um and that's a side quest yep. and, and then i'm looking at season two not really a side quest because it connected to the finale really well right that's when grogu gets abducted that really set the pr- 
precedent for where the rest of the story was going yeah. in that season. And so this one, it does have that moment at the end, but it's it's still so side questy throughout the yeah. whole thing. That for it's sure. Like, what are we doing? It's a little bit like, what are we doing? Yeah, a little bit. For me. I don't know about <laughs> For everybody else, no. it's like, this sucks. But and no. <laughs> and like, we'll, you know. we'll definitely carry on with our scene-by-scene breakdown with our next yeah. point here, but I do want to say... You, you had mentioned Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones is my least favorite film in the franchise. That's uh, not to okay. say I don't like it. That's not to say there's stuff in it yeah. that I don't absolutely love. This episode's my least favorite Mandalorian episode we've gotten so far, mm-hmm. and I still feel that way. This is the 22nd out of the 22 that we've gotten for me. Yeah, but I'm using that phrasing least favorite and not saying worst for a reason. There is still stuff in this that I absolutely love. Sure, I had so much fun with it. It's just, I guess, to kind of steal what you were saying there, and I know you're not saying this, but to still connecting to Attack of the Clones, yeah. it's yeah. my Attack of the Clones of the Mandalorian so far. Oh, I see. What, I, I see what you're saying. All right, all right, we're there. We're good. We're straight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we had kind of glanced over our initial thoughts anyway, but it kind of just flowed out there as we were talking about them, you know, taking that whole left turn. And now let's dive into this mission that we go on. Suddenly the pod stops and the trio walk into a room where a party is occurring hosted by Jack Black, a.k.a. his Star Wars character is Captain Bombardier or something like that. And Bombardier. Lizzo is it Bombardier? Is- it may be that. It may be that. And then Lizzo is the Duchess. These two, I'm not a massive Jack Black or Lizzo fan personally, but it yeah. is cool. I'm okay with these cameos. Did I absolutely like freak out when I saw them? No. But uh, it, it's cool to get these well-known individuals yeah. in the Star Wars universe. Jack Black's character has been through the New Republic Amnesty Program as he was once a facilities planning officer for the Empire, but because of the program, he was able to rebuild Plazir 15. Lizzo's character, the wife of Jack Black's character, gives some detail on the history of Plazir 15, and Grogu has one of his cute little moments here. He leaps into her arms to be held and to be fed. The charter prohibits them from hiring military personnel due to Jack Black's imperial past, so they've hired the group of Mandalorians led by Axe as protection. Bo-Katan requests to see the group of Mandos, but Jack Black has has a request first before allowing Bo, Din, and Grogu to see them to eliminate their coordinated droid malfunction. If Bo and Din complete this mission for them, Plazir 15 would vow to recognize Mandalore as a sovereign system and petition the New Republic to recognize it as such. Din Charin, I love this line though, he was down for the mission at the words battle droids love that he clearly still can't stand droids and i love that we're continuing to get that through line here here was our setup for this quest and again very season one where mm-hmm. din Djarin, and in this case bo katan as well they need something but in order for them to get that something that they need they got to do something for someone else first so very familiar territory here but dj what did you think when you saw jack black did you freak out did you freak out when you saw lizzo where were your thoughts at as we got these uh moments it was funny i i was sitting on the couch and um and actually i'm holding my daughter because she's in that stage where she likes to like climb on on me or on things so she like literally climbed on me so i'm holding her 
and they walk through the door and I hear, welcome, you know, and I was like, oh, that voice. And then the camera, I was like, I was like, I went Jack Black. I just like started laughing. I just, he's the last person I expected to see uh, sure, in Star yeah. Wars. And, but I was, I love Jack Black. I, I, I follow him on TikTok. I, yeah, I'm excited I, about him I being Bowser. You, yeah. I I love Nacho Libre. Um, heck, and I don't yeah. I don't like <laughs> him in the King Kong remake. It just was a bad cast. But mm. my favorite Jack Black movie is a movie called Burn Me, where um, he plays a mortician. This is a true based on a true story. He plays a mortician who actually ends up murdering somebody in his town, mm. and uh, it's got Matthew McConaughey in it. Um, and uh, I can't remember the lady uh, his name and the actress now, but uh, it's a silly funny but really cool movie and it's it's one of his best movies plain and simple so i just watched that movie like last week so nice. it's really cool that i was like okay so this character he's playing uh bombardier really reminds me a lot of how he portrayed bernie in that mm. movie so i was like this is very like in his wheelhouse the way he is playing this character right now so i was like expecting something to turn sideways at one point with this guy but it didn't as we know so i was really stoked about jack black yeah, it took me about another ten seconds to realize that that was Lizzo. I see. Um, yeah, I kind of forget that she. I don't mean this to sound bad. I just kind of forget about her because I don't listen to her music. Sure, I that's understandable. Don't really care about uh, pop music at all. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just not something that I'm thinking about. So I was like, yeah. oh, wait a minute, that's that's Lizzo. Mm -hmm. And then I couldn't really like it. And this is like I think a problem, not a problem. It's something that George Lucas has avoided casting known actors in right in roles like that like i didn't really know bill burr like i know he's acted i know he's a comedian but like i was like i can buy bill burr in star wars because he's not lizzo or jack black right um having said that i bought christopher lloyd no problem um he just made sense i guess but it is a little difficult to buy jack black and lizzo but i i did find okay so i don't follow like i said i don't follow lizzo i don't really think about her at all but I, I saw a screenshot of one of her tweets earlier today. Maybe you've seen it, Caleb. I don't know. But this I want to read this tweet in case no, no, nobody's seen it or if you're listening and you hadn't seen it. But she said, as a kid, my dad showed me Star Wars like a rite of passage. When I got the role of the Duchess, I cried all day. And then she said, Dad, I wish you were here to see this. My dad introduced me to Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a kind of a strange connection in a way that I now have to Lizzo because, like, and a lot of Star Wars fans are this way. Our parents introduced us to Star Wars. Um, so it, it's cool to see somebody say, look, I'm here not because I'm who I am. I'm here because I love Star Wars. Yeah, and that is as cool. Soon, as soon as I saw that tweet, I was like, okay, Lizzo, you're welcome to Star Wars now. Like, I, I didn't, it didn't bother me at all. Yeah. And I know Jack Black likes Star Wars, so I was cool Oh, yeah, with for sure. So so now that I see the tweet from her, I'm like, your dad showed it to you. We can be pals. Like, I'm cool with that. Like, I, I love and, and I know that's such a weird thing to say. Like, I'm not going to be friends with you unless you're Star Wars. <laughs> that's, not, that's not really what I'm saying. I just need, like, someone to say, hey, I'm not here because of my recognition sure I'm, I'm here because i want to be here yeah well it's it's always nice to see the star wars per performers express their love and passion yeah, for the franchise always. it always makes us as fans connect with them more so yeah i did see that tweet it is definitely pretty cool i love that for her 
I still can't watch the scene and not and and not view her as Lizzo. It feels man. like it feels like Rings <laughs> of Power. I mean, it feels like Amazon Prime's Lord of the Rings series, Rings of uh-huh. Power, the 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 dwarf king and queen. Uh-huh. That's what they look like. That's a good point. They gave and, me those vibes for sure. And I actually I can't take credit for pointing that out. I saw it somewhere on a oh, Facebook okay. thread <laughs> or something. I mean, it just I saw it. Oh, it was one of those. Um, spoilers with no context images oh, and I, I, okay. I was like okay, okay. I, it got me it was it was funny that makes but, sense. I was, but that it was makes like sense. that and bowser and like okay. a picture of matthew wood it just it was just funny like it was all funny. right yeah yeah well you had mentioned christopher lloyd that is the next yeah. direction that we go in this episode we get to see christopher lloyd's long rumored and reported character it's not some crazy jedi or some some old sith lord yeah no it's just a it's just commissioner hellgate who is in control of all the droids he's appearing to give a rundown of the droid malfunctions that have been caught on camera Bo asked why they don't just shut off the droids but the citizens voted against it since they can't live without the droids since they work for them essentially for a list of droids they need to decommission the trio have to visit the lower levels and speak with Ugnots. now I will say when I heard Ugnots and I got a sense that we were going to see some your boy started freaking out. So I was very happy with these moments. Yeah. It is in these moments as well where Din Jaren reminds everyone of his disdain for droids in the elevator traveling to the Ugnots. I know you've already kind of alluded to your thoughts on Christopher Lloyd's character. I will say I definitely bought this character, Commissioner Hellgate, definitely more than the other two that we've previously discussed. I love Commissioner Hellgate as far as the plot movement that this guy delivered for us in this episode how did you feel about christopher lloyd's portrayal of this commissioner this scene didn't matter to me at first okay i liked his later scene more for sure i'm with that's that's when i bought him at this point i was just like yes put doc brown in a seat with a giant red button like (laughs) that that's christopher lloyd and i was cool with that yeah. So I loved that. Um, for me, I was I was fixated more on these Ugnots, man. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, and let's talk about the Ugnots. And, and let's here, do it. Here's, <laughs> here's my favorite thing about this. Okay, Ugnots. We know where they came from. Their their uh-huh. first appearance was in Empire Strikes Back. They were just these little pig looking creatures throwing droid parts around in in some trash room. Never thought twice about it. Okay. Never even thought twice about it when we had Quill. In, mm-hmm. in season one mm-hmm. then din jaren drops this incredible line where he's speaking to them which i know we're about to get to yeah and and jumps into this whole i've heard of the of the way ugnots work on you know droids and i was like holy cow in in one little line of dialogue uh, john favreau has unlocked just <laughs> random star wars lore about yeah. ugnots like uh-huh. That's hilarious in yeah. like the most respectful way because you, I was never did I think, oh, Quill worked with droids and that's why he was able to fix IG-11. I just figured he just knew what he oh, was okay. doing with IG-11. I just okay. never thought I never thought about it. 
Yeah. Now that we've got 18 other Ugnots sitting in a room <laughs> all working on droids, it's like, duh, it was there the whole time. Yeah. So I love this. It's so funny. Kayla, what about you, man? No, I was I was freaking out. And as well, another freak out sesh of mine is when, first of all, they go into the room and, and Bo is just getting completely ignored. But then <laughs> Din Djarin, yeah. he's just like, I had a friend, Quill. And it immediately gets their attention, and he ends by saying, "I have spoken." And then you hear the yeah. quill, like you hear the season one quill kind of sound piece that we that we got and that I fell absolutely in love with in that season. That was when, as well, like okay, I'm losing my mind. And then also yeah. something I was hopeful for, I was hoping that somehow it's Nick Nolte, right? Yeah, that's the voice actor for Quill. Yeah. I was hoping somehow yeah. he was gonna be one of them, maybe with just a yeah. different accent, a little bit, just to. Yeah. Even, but I feel like that probably would have been too on the nose. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. But it was great. It was great yeah. to to see these Ugnots. I again, I love the plot utilization that these Ugnots mm-hmm. have. I love the connections, like you alluded to, about their droid past. And again, it, it was another moment where it t- took you back to season one and it felt a little full circle there for a while. So I mm-hmm. really appreciated that. Yeah. So the Ugnots initially act as they are unaware of the malfunctioning droids. The Ugnots eventually give the location of the droids Din and Bo are in search of after Din convinced them yet again. The Ugnots indicated that the next incident would happen at the loading docks and while at the loading docks, Bo-Katan says she hasn't seen battle droids since the Clone Wars. And this was an interesting response to me. Din Djarin responds by saying, I have. I don't know if this is me reading into this too much. We know about the flashback of Din Djarin as a boy seeing these battle droids. Is this implying that the droids attacking him and his family when he was a child occurred after the Clone Wars, during the Clone Wars, or before the Clone Wars? Because Bo-Katan saying, I haven't seen battle droids since the Clone Wars, and Din saying, I have, has me a little thrown off. Like, it makes me think it was after the Clone Wars that somehow these droids are attacking Din as a kid and his parents and wherever they're at. Well, um, I think you're on the right track. I hadn't considered that, so that makes a lot of sense. I'm trying to remember if there was a random battle droid appearance in Mando Season 2 or 1. I don't think there was. I don't think there was either, yeah. So he, he might just have witnessed, you know, some little bit of aftermath of just just events taking place after you know Mm -hmm. order 66 and things like that um i know that in the original battlefront 2 main missions like the story mode of that game the empire goes in to an area i think it was actually on the mustafar map and, and you have to kill poggle the lesser um or just a random geonosian i can't remember and um, you, you're Empire, but you're fighting battle droids. And so mm. maybe maybe they're mm. borrowing a little bit and, and pulling some of that in because it's an interesting thought at, at minimum, you know, but um, I could see it being afterward. I mean, yeah, Christopher still, Lord later, like, you know, references his political opinions within Star that's Wars. True. So, I mean, that's true. It could it could have some um, I think the words levity. To, yeah. to, to the situation yeah. so I do think it was probably still during the era of the Clone Wars that was just me really diving into the dialogue though seeing if there's something that might be hiding that uh, they're trying to tell us and maybe we'll later hey, discover you know maybe maybe uh, Din Djarin's not as old as Pedro Pascal is you know and and maybe 
these battle droid things will connect to like Andor season two for some reason. <laughs> that you know? would be wild. Yeah, how be ridiculous! Absolutely wild. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't expect that to happen. But like, yeah, come yeah. I mean, it'd be really cool if like Din Djarin's a child and there's yeah, Cassie and Anne. I mean, it'd be really kind of neat, but you know, it's not gonna happen. No, it's not. It's not. Anyway, <laughs> it'd be great though. It'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great. At the loading docks. A fleet of battle droids are loading material and supplies. Bo-Katan questions one of the droids who says all the droids were just checked out to make sure they are working correctly. Din Djarin begins kicking the droids to make sure nothing phases them and they stick to their program directive. I was uh, laughing like crazy just watching Din Djarin go ham on these droids. It was, that was so perfect. funny. <laughs> Suddenly was one perfect. of the droids, Din kicks, retaliates, and punches Din to the ground. This leads to a pretty interesting chase through the streets of the city and Bo-Katan and Din Djarin eventually catch up to it and take it down. Upon inspecting the droid, Bo-Katan finds a spark pad that leads them to the resistor which Din says sounds like a droid bar. There's an address on the spark pad and that allows these two investigators to figure out where to go next. I gotta admit, uh, the spark pad, a little little too goofy for me. It's it's kind of like a business card that this this battle droid's carrying around. Like, what's going on? It, what yeah. is this? <laughs> it's it is a bit goofy, but it like somehow makes sense. Okay. Explain it to In me. In Star Wars, like, <laughs> I kind of imagine it, like, they all just randomly have their chain codes, like, on their gauntlet at all sure. times. Yeah. Like, you're like, what does that gauntlet do? It shows my driver's <laughs> license, but it also shoots fire. Like, it's a little weird that, yeah. like, it that it is a thing in and of itself. Uh-huh. Um, but business card, to me, it's, <laughs> it's an oversight. I don't really care. Like, now, I will just, say... If that happened in a Clone Wars episode, I'm not thinking twice about it. No, yeah, absolutely. At all. And and, and I think something to that effect has happened in, like, Clone Wars or Rebels. Like, Uh, it definitely had to, because it's just goofy. (laughs) Like, it's that's Dave Filoni all over it, you know? It's like, Jon Favreau may have been credited, Uh but I think Filoni worked a little bit of his magic in this one. Probably. I'll say this, and here's why I actually say that. Um, This episode heavily reminded me of an episode of Clone Wars. And I just Googled it to figure out which episode is it. I don't know what season it's. Uh, oh, yeah, here it is. Season three, episode five, uh, Corruption. It's when Padme and Duchess Satine go all over Mandalore trying to figure out why these children are being poisoned by tea. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and this episode is so much like that. Yeah, it I is. Mean, I see that now. And and I think if it wasn't uh, Bo-Katan, I probably wouldn't have thought of that much. I probably would have just kept thinking about Attack of the Clones. But um, it's a mystery episode, you know, it's they're solving a mystery and I kind of like the sleuthiness of it. And uh, it was very, like I said, reminiscent. So I think that's one way where it's where it's really Clone Warsy. Like, it's yeah, really, it's like sure. it's nearly plot point for plot point uh, similar here because it's like, what, what's what what's causing the droids to be this way? Mm-hmm. Oh, something's in the oil they're <laughs> consuming at this one random bar. Yeah. Cut to Clone Wars. What's wrong with the tea? Oh, it's got some kind of drug in it that's killing children. Well, it's connected to this one warehouse or whatever. You know, it's just it's it, it's so similar. It's hard not to notice as a as a fan. You know, right. so I, I just I picked up on that a little bit. The yeah. business card, though, don't really care about the business card. It just yeah. it's whatever to me. It is. It is. It is what it is. What it is. It is, it is what, what it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do end up getting to the bar. They question the droid that's at the bar. Plazier is 
been set up as a place that welcomes all droids, even those dating back to the Separatists, but if the New Republic gets word of these malfunctions, they are likely going to get shut down. So this bartender droid that Bo and Din talk to at this location, at the droid bar titled The Resistor, is very much all in on trying to help. So at that point then, Bo and Din begin questioning the droid bartender, who reveals the droid's at its bar are served Nepenthe, which is a viscous lubricant that protects against mechanical wear while delivering program refreshing subparticles. That is extremely fancy there. It seems the droids that are malfunctioning are re- all received the same batch of Nepenthe. So the question at this moment is what was in this bad batch? See what I did there, bad batch? <laughs> What did you think? What did you think of this discovery, this investigation, all these all these things going on with uh with with the questioning that Bo and Din are are delivering here to this droid? The little raspy giggle guy. Ooh, can we talk about too the uh, yeah, the, that giggle was weird. I apologize. Can we talk about too Din Jarn getting super aggressive on this droid? <laughs> For no I love reason. it. Honestly, I like. No, I it love that too. I he's only too. ever trusted two droids, and all the droids that he suddenly like has a problem with are the ones that like gave him PTSD to begin with. Like, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I'm just like, dude, knock him out. I don't care. Like, every time he talks to a droid, every time he's like getting handsy with a droid, I'm like, do it, man. Like, <laughs> work out that anger. You know, like I'm cool with it. You know, I, I, I'm. Yeah. I'm of the opinion. Now, don't beat somebody up, but I'm of the opinion that if you got some angst. You got to figure a way to like get it out. And yeah. for me, that was learning to play drums. Okay. So nice. I had a little, I had some anger. I go well on the drums for a little bit. Did it Did every John time. Wells on droids. And I'm like, dude, bang, bang the drum, bang, hit the droid. I don't care. Do what you got to do, man. Like it's just a droid. I mean, hey, hey now. Hey now. I, I mean, it just depends on the droid. Like okay. Ba- okay. battle droid, go ham. You know, service droid chill a little bit but like he's just questioning he's just questioning this one you know he's like what's the deal i will take your arm off like little little light threatening never hurt anybody in star wars right 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 yeah it never hurts never hurts (laughs) this is admittedly this is where it it gets it gets fun gets wild and the goofiness just cranks up exponentially at this point i mean we're talking about nepenthe we're talking about this stuff that's in it i mean this is just this is not what i'm expecting in the sixth episode of season three it's it's so much like it's so much to take in oh it's great it's so it's so great though honestly now that i'm thinking back to it like it's so funny It is. It makes no sense. Like it really doesn't. Even like when they start to like analyze the the nanobots and everything at this lab. Yeah. Man, we're we're looking at the Jedi Temple getting bombed in Clone mm-hmm. Wars. You know, it's just so much weird. And that's why I was like okay with it. You know, because it was just like Clone Wars. I was like, this is great. I love it. Maybe yeah. it's a touch of what we're gonna get in Ahsoka. I hope I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> none, of the, none of the weird stuff. <laughs> I'll take a little weird. I'll take a side uh, of weird, but not a, a full course meal. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I love a full course of weird in Star Wars. It makes my oh, day. Man. Hey, that's fair. <laughs> and you're you're not alone. You're not alone with that. For no, sure. I'm not. No, well, I'm not. you had alluded to it. Bo and Din go to the lab holding the recent rogue droid to see what particles are present in the Nepenthe it took. It's discovered <laughs> that it does have reprogramming sub 
particles in it. Suddenly, a probe droid in the room goes rogue and Din Djarin takes it out with the Darksaber. Upon further review, nanodroids are inside the Nepenthe. A chain code is also detected and reveals they were manufactured by the Techno Union. They've been in cold storage for ages. It did not arrive through droid acquisitions. They were requisitioned by the security office, which is illegal. The droids were ordered by an individual, which is the head of security, which is our boy, Commissioner Hellgate, a.k.a. Christopher Lloyd's character. So we get this big reveal. Again, I'm sitting here. They're they're dissecting this Nepenthe, and we're talking chain codes. We're talking techno union. I'm like, what are we, what is going on? I love it. Okay, as as ridiculous as the dialogue is here. Okay, it's all yeah. Clone Wars. It's like it's, it is fun. You, it's fun. You, and like, I want to know: Did people jump over and just decide to watch Attack of the Clones or random episodes of Clone Wars right after? Because that's all I thought about. Best thing in this whole scene, the best weird thing in the whole scene is we hadn't even touched the fact fact that they pulled this droid out like it's a corpse in a morgue. Like there's, know, a, dro- there's droids- a droid <laughs> morgue. Like it's sign me up. Droids are getting it's treated so, like just normal citizens I at this know, point in the it's galaxy. Like, <laughs> it's so funny because it's like nobody in their right mind has ever wanted to treat a robot as a person and every, unless and it's every, r2d2 or bb8 or c3po I'll fair, say but that. like but like <laughs> we like them because they're kind of more like a dog sure. they're just a, they're like they're like lassie mm-hmm. like they come and say hey so-and-so stuck in a well and then we don't see them again for a little like i'm okay with that kind of a droid thing but yeah. when you pull a battle droid out of a morgue <laughs> gurney I kind of lose it. I'm just like, this is stupid. <laughs> I freaking love it. Like, it's so oh, dumb, but it's so perfect. It's yeah. like, I keep, I feel like I need to quote it like I'm uh, Benoit Blanc and Glass Onion. It's so dumb. It's so <laughs> dumb. It's just so good, though. Oh, it's so, actually my side hurts uh, from laughing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, my, my cheeks hurt, honestly, from, from smiling and it's laughing. So funny. Talking about this goofiness. It's so dumb, but I love it. It's, oh, man. Like, and this is not what I I want every episode of Mandalorian to be like. No. Do I need do I need some <laughs> random Christopher Lloyd type to come in and start talking about, about nano droids and Count Dooku and <laughs> No, I don't, but like do I freaking love it? Then sign me up. <laughs> and if it, if that's an IV, hook it in, man. Let's go. Like that's good stuff. It's so funny. Oh man. Oh man, as long as that IV that you're taking in doesn't contain Nimpenthe, we'll be all right. No, we should be we'll fine. Be- yeah. <laughs> Well, once Din and Bo accuse Commissioner Hellgate, he threatens to press a button that will make all the droids return to their original battle droid programming. Hellgate dates himself by revealing he's never given up to the corrupt Republic or the Empire, and he won't give up to Din and Bo. Bo declares that Hellgate is a separatist, and Hellgate responds by saying that's a pejorative term. Hellgate supports democracy and declares Count Dooku was a visionary that was cut short in his prime by the Jedi Enforcer, and then, before he can finish that line, Bo-Katan stuns him and arrests him. I'd like to think that he was going to give a Jedi mention there and maybe say Anakin Skywalker. That would have been pretty cool. That would been pretty cool. Well, we get this kind of turn here. I don't know if you were earlier in, earlier in the episode expecting Hellgate to be the guy behind all of it. I did kind of start getting a sense that, okay, we're coming back to him at some point, so I do think... He's got something to do with this. 
What did you think of this dialogue? What did you think of the reveal? I thought Jack Black would be the ultimate bad guy in this episode, Ooh, honestly. Yeah. I really did. Because I love it when Jack Black plays an evil type, like, and he kind of sinistery. Like, he always, right. like, on every TikTok video he does, he's, like, always acting like he knows something you don't. And and I thought that I was getting those vibes from him originally. But it makes way more sense for uh, Hellgate to be the guy. I yeah. mean, it, it, Christopher, it makes so much more sense. And, and that's fine. Um, what I love about this, though, it's like, and now I'm thinking about it. He's like the last surviving separatist, mm. you know, and he's held on to that political belief for all this time. And yeah, that's a long. I mean, and, and he would have been a young person, you know, during the Clone Wars. Like he would not have been old. You right. Know? He, he, he's really held on to that political ideology for like, I mean, at this point, it's got to be close to. 35 almost 40 years yeah it's been a minute been a i minute. mean it's it's impressive like think about political landscape 40 years ago it's not going to be the same as today nope. you know and it's just incredible and it kind of reminded me of like you'll hear like um i hate to be that person but you'll hear like boomers and they'll be like, well, back in my day, you could buy a house for fifteen thousand dollars, and like, <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, well, uh, Uncle Uncle Buck over here, um, it's like four hundred to five hundred <laughs> to a million for some folks. So yeah. why don't you chill out real quick? <laughs> you know, like, and it's so similar to me. Like Christopher Lloyd's playing that kind of character here, but it's just mm -hmm. in like the political world, and it's it's kind of funny. Like it it's weird. It's very Clone Warsy. But it's also like, of course, the old dude who was alive for all that would be like, sure. Count Dooku was misunderstood. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it, it's kind of funny. It's more joy oh, to this, man. more joyous, weird. Oh, it's, gosh. It's great. It's great. I cannot believe. <laughs> yeah, okay, but let's I talk about this, though. I cannot believe we're here, man. <laughs> no, and let's talk about this, though. We got a yeah. Count Dooku reference. That was cool. In, that in was the cool. year 2023. That was very you know, cool. Like, nobody thinks about Count Dooku. And, and it, the, who... <clears throat> Watch it's Tales of the Jedi. You'll be thinking about Dooku for a while. Yes, you will. <laughs> or if you read uh, Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just throwing it in there because I like to talk about that book. But um, you know, it's just incredible that we're we're holding on to those things. And John Favreau clearly having written this episode is it, it wants to pull. Yeah. And it's like, well, are we gonna get another Sith or Jedi reference from the Clone Wars as we go forward? I mean, I kind of hope we. It. I mean, at this point, if you've ref, we've gotten Luke Skywalker, Ahsoka, uh, a Dooku mentioned. I mean, Yoda's been mentioned. I'm calling you know? my shot here. Okay. I think we're getting Darth Maul next. When we're we talking, have, we, when we're we talking history of dark saber, I think we'll get yeah. a, a Darth Maul name. We, drop. we have to at That'd some cool. point. Yeah, we have to at some point. I'll freak out with that one big time. Yeah, I mean, and watch them bring in, like, Ray Park for, like, a flashback. Or oh, that maybe, would be wild. Maybe they'll throw up, like, a hologram or something, and it's it's Ray Park, you know, doing yeah. his thing. Um, You know, it'd be it'd be great. I mean, they have to mention him at some point. Yeah. Because yeah. Darksaber's we'll now right back where it needs to be in the forefront. Yeah, it is. It is definitely in the <laughs> forefront. Well, before we get to that massive moment, we do have one more 
scene-by-scene breakdown piece here regarding the droid malfunctioning problem. Commissioner Hellgate is taken to Jack Black and Lizzo, where Grogu is helping Lizzo be extremely successful at some party game by using the Force. It is declared that Hellgate must live on the moon Paraquat in exile. Bo and Din are granted access to visit the Mandalorians and are also given the honor of a key to Plazir. Grogu, and again, this is where it gets super weird and goofy again, but this was actually kind of cute and fun for me. Grogu is granted knighthood by Lizzo. That's a sentence I never thought I would say. So his official title is now Knight of the Ancient Order of Independent Regencies, Breaker of Chains, Grogu. <laughs> Hilarious. I, Just so I've been weird. saying to myself, he's Sir Grogu. Sir Grogu, yes. Like, like every time... From here on out, Sir Grogu. Sir Grogu, yeah. He's Sir Grogu of Clan Jaren. You know, like, it's just, again, so dumb. But, like, this dude has a better pedigree than I I do having with with a diploma on the wall. You know, like... Yeah. Like, you got got trained by Luke Skywalker. Also a Mandalorian. Also best friends with Jar Jar Binks. You know, like you've got all this <laughs> I threw that one in there for me. But you got all these like little things that have started to stack up on this itty bitty little green dude. And you just yeah. kind of can't help but be like, What in the world? Like I know. He's Sir Grogu now. Like, all right, that's what and we're he's, doing. <laughs> he's soon gonna be a full on Mandalorian. Like he's gonna have all the titles, man. Yeah, all the titles. Wait till he has like the full Beskar, the oh, helmet. It's be great. He's got a lightsaber, <laughs> and it's just—it's funny, it's cool. Uh huh. It's also a little bit ridiculous. Sure. And like, but it's like, fun. I think it's that's awesome. why they're just—they're just like slowly—they're slowly, you know, slowly making kind of us okay with just off. this absolutely yeah. weird craziness. Yeah. They said, give them the weird puppets that are fish but love each other. And then by the time we get to season 15, when he's in full, you know, in an Iron Man suit fighting, fighting Count Dooku resurrected, and no one's going to care. You know, it's, it's going to be awesome. Oh, man. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Oh, man. Can you imagine? I, I can after this, honestly. I can. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> This episode's been an interesting one to get uh, yes, to, yes. to break down. It, it's yeah. just so easy to kind of go off on these tangents. Cause, but at least we're like man, getting to wild. like the coolest part of the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. We get to the trio that make their way out to the Mandalorian fleet, where Bo-Katan proclaims she is back to reclaim it. Axe Woves does not want to give it up, as he has grown quite fond of leading it. In response, Bo-Katan challenges Axe to a battle, Axe accepts the challenge, and it begins to go down. The two begin fighting, which leads to an awesome battle. Bo-Katan forces Axe Wobes to yield. Axe says she will never be the true leader to their people, as she won't challenge Din Djarin for the Dark Saber. Now, before we get to this dialogue, I always love just reciting and breaking down the big Mandalorian dialogue, so we'll do that in just a minute. I first want to say... 
I loved this battle. I thought it was shot well. I thought the pacing of it was well. I thought it increased the intensity, obviously, obviously of this episode. So I absolutely loved this fight between Bo and Axe. I loved that they made the decision to give Axe some of his moments. Like sometimes, yeah, he was winning that battle, but ultimately we knew Bo-Katan was going to take her or take him down, was going to take Axe down. What did you think of this battle, DJ? And then we'll definitely get to the dialogue passing back back and forward between these three characters. It was great because, and I'll be quick on this one. It was really cool because um, Axe Woves didn't like get to shine in season two with like that gravitas of, of, you know, being able to like go toe to toe with somebody. Yeah. Um, all we saw him do were a couple of flashes of, you know, stormtroopers and some Quarrens mm-hmm. where Sasha Banks got to really shine. Yeah. And I think that was by, that was by design in season two. Like who's your, who's your, you know, your famous person in the suit, put them in, in front of the camera a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then that obviously led to the team up in the finale. Um, mm-hmm. And, and th- this was a good moment for that character to kind of just shine and show like what he can do. And of course, yeah, like you said, we knew that he wasn't going to win this fight. Um, yeah. And if he did, it's like, well, Bo-Katan, you might as well just leave. Like what's right. the point in having you here? Right. So it, it's great that he was there. I'm glad that we got to see, you know, his, um, his ability as a fighter. Mm -hmm. It's always good to see Mandalorians fighting each other because that's what they do. And, um, and I'm, I'm all, I was all great with that and and loved the way that looked at. And actually I noticed in the credits, um, the the stunt double name, one of the stunt doubles, there was like two or three for Bo-Katan. Um, but it was a, a a woman named, uh, Jesse Graff, who, Mm. if that name means anything to you, she is like the American Ninja warrior champion. And I believe she's also a stunt double for Gal Gadot in one oh, cool. of, the, of the Wonder Woman movies. So, That's cool. like, she's been around the block. She's in the industry. So it's really cool to see, like, a little pop culture thing kind of. Yeah. That is super sidebar. I know that. But, like, I, I loved, like, oh, as soon as I heard, like, saw the name, I was like, who is that? Googled mm-hmm. it, found out. Okay. And I remember watching her do the ninja uh, runs and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, you, she's incredibly talented. So, that to me added to the stunt performance here. Really, really yeah. loved it. Really loved Absolutely. it. Seeing, so, seeing somebody who knows what they're doing always helps. Yeah, it, it was it was well done. I, I love the little battle. So let's get into these very intriguing quotes. They Favreau, no, look, I have my criticisms of the writing of this episode, obviously, more so the plot, really. But Favreau knows what he's doing when it comes to Mandalorian lore, writing, and dialogue. Like, this stuff is just, I eat all, I eat all of this stuff up. It's phenomenal. Bo says Mandalorians are stronger together. Axe responds by saying a misguided zealot possesses the blade. One, I might add, who has not one drop of Mandalorian blood in his veins. That's a deep cut there from Axe. But Bo is quick to stand up for Din Djarin. I loved this. Din Djarin took the creed and chose to walk the way, just as our ancestors did. He is every bit the Mandalorian that they are, certainly as much as any of us. Man, I just love that so much. Anyway, continuing on. Axe says, But according to our ways, the ruler of Mandalore must possess the Darksaber. And this is where Din steps in and says, Then she shall have it. This belongs to you. Bo says it's not a gift to be given, no matter how well intended. But then Din, this is a great dialogue moment, and I really did feel like 
at least in my opinion, I felt like Pedro was kind of giving his all here. But again, maybe DJ, you have a different opinion, which is fine. But Din says, it's not a gift. While exploring Mandalore, I was captured, and this blade was taken from me. Bo-Katan rescued me and slayed my captor. She defeated the enemy that defeated me. Would this blade then not be long to her? Would it? And this is where it got me, I guess, is when he repeated this with, with a lot more authority and impactfulness I guess he says yet again would it not belong to her and that's where we start getting the music swelling Axe says it would Din says I return this blade to its rifle owner and the episode ends with Bo-Katan igniting the Darksaber as the Mandalorian fleet looks on I really 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 love this dialogue in this scene i know dj we were talking off the show so i'll go ahead and say this i want to say number one i love the fact that bo does have the dark saber i don't want that opinion to get misconstrued i'm very yeah. excited to see what is to come of this i'm very excited to see if bo is going to continue to keep the dark saber and tame the mythosaur we still got to come back to that eventually but I have to say, I am, I guess, now struggling with, and I didn't think I was going to. I thought if Bokusan got the Darksaber, I was going to be all in on it. I am struggling with, okay, do I really not want Din Djarin to have any, like, does d- does he not need to have the Darksaber or the Mythosaur? That is something that I am mentally struggling with and, and trying to kind of figure out on my end I look forward to figuring that out and I look forward to see what they explore with this dark saber situation they got going on but regardless Bo-Katan's past and everything that led to this means a lot and seeing her ignite that dark saber yet again ready to go into the next adventure definitely did send chills down my spine how did you think of this dialogue? What did you think of this reveal? Are you all in on Bo-Katan being the next Mandalore? Look, a technicality is a technicality, okay? Um, you know, I- I've watched a lot of UFC over the years, and there's a thing called a TKO, okay? It's a technical knockout. By technicality, someone's been knocked out, okay? that's I know that is like the duh, okay? But that's what happened to Din Djarin. And he we he never really wanted Dark Saber. That's that's something we need to remember. Is it mm-hmm. cool for us as fans to be like the Mandalorian? He's got, you know, it's got the thing, you know, it's we love that. And 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 for it, nobody who's watched Rebels or Clone Wars, you're kind of like, what the heck? You know, like you you put all this effort to get this guy, this dark saber, you know, and and if if you still haven't watched these two series after book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian, like I can't believe you haven't at least done some research on who the rightful owner of this saber is. So technicality wise. Yeah. It's okay. That Bo has this lightsaber Um, because it's she, she defeated the guy that took it from Din, which is how the process works where that gets skewed is, is um, back in clone wars. I watched a, a TikTok video from this guy today called the docking bay. And he uh, pointed out that this technicality now actually shows who the rightful owner of the uh, dark saber really is. Yep. Uh, did you see this video too? I think yeah. So. yeah. so it's, I think I sent it to you actually. So mm-hmm. it's technically Palpatine. Yeah. It, ha- it defeated Maul and clone wars. 
and then there was that comic run called Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, and I just briefly skimmed the Wikipedia page for it. Doesn't really have um, anybody saying. I mean, it probably does. I just I, I had to read it quickly uh, about how Maul got the dark saber back, or if he ever if he never lost it in the first place. So mm-hmm. Palpatine technically defeats him on Mandalore, but who defeats Palpatine later? It's Darth Vader. Therefore, the technical owner should be Anakin Skywalker. Yep. Um, and I guess by association, because Luke technically kills Vader, sort of in Return of the Jedi, it nah. should be Luke. It should be Luke's maybe. That opens but... that opens a can of worms as far as your interpretation of what kills Anakin, I guess. But that's it a does, podcast yeah. for a different day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally different thing. So like, I love the uh, speculation side of this. Yeah. But for all intents and purposes, um. What we've got going on in Mandalorian, Mandalorian, Rebels, and Clone Wars, I'm totally okay with the fact that uh, Bo-Katan has it because it just – she's she's the rightful person. And uh, yeah. we talked about this off-air before we started tonight, but uh, I searched – I don't delete text messages. It's a problem, but um, I, I should probably – but I searched the name Bo-Katan in my text messages. That's how nerdy I am. And sure enough, message pops up, Caleb, back on February 27th. So what did I say? Bo-Katan is not going to make it out of season three, basically, is what I said in our text messages. The way I actually said it was, she's out like a belly button, is actually what I said, (laughs) which is the dumbest sentence anybody's ever said uh, or written. But I did say it, and here we are. So I think that maybe not at the end of this season will we see the end of Bo-Katan, but I can kind of see how, you know, she might die and everybody rallies around Din Djarin, maybe. Mm. Like, mm. just just because we want him to be the Mandalorian. Right. And back when Bo-Katan saw the Mythosaur, I was thinking, man, Bo-Katan on the Mythosaur versus the armor on some little baby dragons, and they're going to have a nice, really cool fight. Sure. I, I mean, I, I thought that was going to be something we saw. I actually don't know what to expect now. Yeah, me either. Me Cause either. Because her getting the dark saber back changes a lot of things. Yeah. What I always thought was going to be, Dinjarin keeps the dark saber. He just learns how to actually use it well, and and Bo-Katan tames the Mythosaur, and it's like a co-leadership thing. Mm-hmm. We're not heading that direction at all right now, mm-hmm. at all. Like it's Bo-Katan or nothing at this point. So as far as making Dinjarin the Mandalore yet again, like the plot heading that way. It would have to result in Bo-Katan's demise. It would just have to, I think, in, in these moments. Because Din Djarin's not going to suddenly not follow Bo-Katan unless she just does something absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm not seeing it head, heading that way yet. So it is definitely, for me, just, it's just going differently than what I expected. I just expected Din Djarin and Grogu to always be at the forefront and somehow him eventually becoming the next Mandalorian or the next Mandalore rather I should say but maybe that maybe Bo-Katan maybe it's Bo-Katan and part of the story is the fact that Din Djarin helps her get to where she was always destined to be who knows we'll have to wait and see but we only have two episodes left two episodes left which is absolutely absolutely wild uh I can't wait to cover the last two episodes, yeah, I right. really <laughs> hope, I really hope we get Moff Gideon 
I really hope we go back to Mandalore. I really hope we get some Mythosaur. I hope we get more Dark Saber history. We kind of alluded to that with just us wishing that we get a Darth Maul name drop or something like that. Yeah. There's a lot, I feel like, with two episodes left that I would still like to see. And I don't know if they're going to show all of those things. I don't know. I'm very intrigued to see what we've got. But DJ, are there any final thoughts that you have on the episode itself? No, uh, other than I, I see where people have problems with it, and I I tend to forgive those issues a lot with Star yeah. Wars because I just love Star Wars. So mm-hmm. I don't have any issues with with what with the, with like the things people are saying. I thought this episode was ridiculous and fun. Yeah, um, it was goofy. I mean, flat mm-hmm. out goofy. Yes, but it was. I like I like weird Star Wars, and so yeah. if you like weird Star Wars, this was for you. So. Um, you know, other than that, no, I just, I, like you said, I'm really excited to see what comes next. Yeah. Dark saber stuff is going to be great. Um, I want to, I'm curious about how Axe Woves' loyalty will kind of pan out Ooh, um, yeah. a little bit. Like he, he does say hey, it would, you know, there at the end that the, the saber belongs to her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not as big a deal, I think for him. Cause it's like, technically it's all good, but it's, it's only a matter of time. And, yeah. um, and I'm curious to where all these other clans went from Rebels to now and hope right. that that somehow gets talked about. But that's it. We'll definitely see. We'll definitely see. Well, let me say this. We had, I mean, double-digit Twitter submissions, Discord submissions. But I do have to say, as far as timing goes, we are definitely at our timing limits here uh, regarding other things that we need to get to. So let me do this. I don't want to rush through our listener submissions. I want to take my time and discuss them. So those of you that submitted some things for us to discuss, first of all, I greatly appreciate it. Second of all, what I will plan to do then is I will myself get a recording in of me just talking to you guys because I don't want, like I said, I don't want to rush it. And what I'll do is I'll get that podcast recording out Sunday, this coming couple of days as you're here you mean they get exclusive bonus content hey exclusive bonus content for our mando talk listeners let's go we've we've made it we've made it we have made it when we've got to make extra bonus content baby yeah that's good stuff but yeah i hope those of you that are listening that send in submissions i hope you don't mind that again i just want to i want to make sure that i don't rush it on you guys and we just read your stuff and move on so i'll definitely do that separate recording uh, it'll come out Sunday, first thing for you to listen to and for everyone to listen to. Even if you didn't send in a submission, I'm sure there's going to be stuff. I know there's going to be stuff. Just by glancing off of some of these tweets and some of these Discord submissions, there's going to be some stuff that we missed as we were breaking down this episode. So it's definitely something for everyone, regardless if you sent something in or not, to check out. And I will say, if you want to get in on that action for next podcast episode, for next week, send in those tweets, send in those discord messages at mando talk on twitter and the discord link is down in the description well that does then wrap up our breakdown episode i greatly appreciate everybody listening to this one as we were kind of going off on tangents here there and everywhere as this episode of the mandalorian was itself so i feel like it just naturally kind of happened that way absolutely goofy absolutely wild but i am 
I'm happy that we're here. I'm happy that we're talking season three of The Mandalorian. I'm excited that we've got two more. And DJ, I'm excited that you were here for this one. And I'm excited to see what we're going to be able to talk about in these next couple of weeks. DJ, thank you for being on. Final thoughts from you. Looking forward to the next week. A Star Wars celebration this weekend, y'all. Hey, we're going to get some big get some stuff. Good, get some announcements. Um, by the time this comes out, it'll be it'll be celebration time. So, yeah. so I mean, they're, they're starting off big with these movie announcements I've been her- hearing. Hearing, mm-hmm. almost said. <laughs> so, um, I'm expecting some good stuff this weekend. Trailer drops and hoping some good things come about. Um, hey. Good announcements. Hopefully, solid announcements. Um, Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm really excited about that. Um, however, if you want to hear me go on tangents elsewhere, you can check out my podcast I do with my friends down this way in Texas called Cinematic Theology. Uh, we take movies and look at them from a biblical perspective. I know that uh, the most recent episode is on the Shawshank Redemption. And we're looking to record, I think, next week for our next movie. And I'll just go ahead and say what it is. Our next movie is 1999's Tarzan, the animated Ooh, Tarzan. That's a fun and one. And so this morning, I actually listened to the whole Tarzan soundtrack. And, man, did I have a good morning on the lawnmower listening to the Phil, <laughs> the great the greatness that is Phil Collins. So there that was go. fun. It was a good time. So um, looking forward to that. So if you guys want to hear more tangents, you can go to that <laughs> podcast. And uh, that link will not be in the description below. But you can go, you can go search it. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, Thank you again to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for your continued support. Can't wait to talk to you guys in our special episode coming soon regarding talking to you with your submissions, things like that. But until then, and until our next companion podcast episode breaking down the penultimate episode of season three of The Mandalorian, as we always say as we get out of here, see you later, but also we have spoken.